Tom, I'm pastor of small groups here at Rockbrook, and uh, we're in a sermon series called You Ask For It. And back in Easter, we took a survey and asked you, what, what do you want us to preach on? And so we took all of those results and we compiled them together, and we came up with seven topics. So we hope by the end of this series that we will have answered all of your questions but your number two request was, how do I handle stress? And that's what I'm going to talk to you about today. And uh, i got to tell you that this format really takes a lot of stress and pressure off of me because, uh, you know, you gave me the topic, and anything I say that you don't like, I can say, well, you asked for it, right? <laughs> but people all the time are telling me how busy and how tired and how stressed they are. You know, how many times when you greet somebody, you say, hey, how's everything going? Oh, I'm tired. I'm busy. I'm stressed. You know, I believe our culture is accepting the stressed out life as the new norm. You know, when everybody else around you is living that kind of life, it's fast-paced, hurried, overwhelmed, overbooked, you just think, well, that's just the way it is today. That's how, I, that's how we live. But let's think about the next generation. Let's think about our kids. What are we teaching them? What are we teaching them when it comes to workloads, to scheduling, to activities, to setting priorities? The next generation, your kids, are taught by you. They're taught by your actions, by what you're doing. And we're teaching them that this busy, hectic, stressed-out lifestyle is the new norm. You know, is that what you want for your kids? When your kids grow up and we take an Easter survey, they put on there, how do I handle stress? We got to help them to minimize stress and we help them by modeling it for them. And there's also an increase in prescribed medication that helps people deal with anxiety and stress and worry. You know, Americans are labeled as a pill-popping society. Now, don't get me wrong, I understand the need to treat chronic illness like anxiety and depression. There are people in this room right now that have legitimate anxiety and depression disorders. But there is also a larger majority of people that are taking medications to manage a self-inflicted lifestyle versus managing a physical or mental illness that is out of my realm of control. And I have separated stress into three categories. The first category is chronic stress. And this is what I just talked about. This is mental or physical illness that may never go away. Seeing a doctor and taking medication helps manage the, system, the symptoms. The second category is seasonal stress. And this is something that happens out of the norm and is most likely out of your control, but it's not permanent. The death, death of a loved one. Money issues due to something unexpected, like a car breaks down or an appliance breaks down. Uh, a heavy workload for a season. Your boss says, hey, we're going to have to work some overtime for the next few weeks or couple months. Or, or maybe it's a divorce or something like that. But there's a scale called the Holmes and Ray scale. And it is used to predict the likelihood of an illness due to stressful events in a person's life. Each event is assigned a life change unit score. And these are then added together over a year and used to predict the likelihood that you will get an illness. 
And up on the screen is the top 10 most stressful events for adults and non-adults followed by their life change unit score. The death of a spouse is a life change unit score of 100. Divorce scores at 73. Marital separation, 65, and so on. A score of 300 or higher puts you in a high risk of getting a physical illness. A score of 150 to 299 puts you in a moderate risk of getting a physical illness. And a score of less than 150 predicts a slight risk of an illness. Now what's interesting to note is that by number 10 on the adult scale, the life change unit score drops to 45. But on the non-adult scale, it is relatively high at 67. And this indicates that non-adults are less able to cope, cope with stressful events and need more assistance to navigate stressful times. So what are we teaching our kids? If we want to have healthy kids, we need to help have them, we need to help them minimize stress, and we do that by modeling how to do that. Stress has a potential to cause physical illness. It's very serious. My third category of stress is day-to-day stress. It's the 24-7. It's the tired, worn out, beat down, you know, ready to blow your top. The it's ne- is it ever going to end kind of life. You know, I'm raising kids. I have a family. I have extended family. I have activities. I have hobbies. I have bills to pay. And that's probably why you ask that question. How do I handle stress? You feel overwhelmed. And the day-to-day stress is what I want to address today. And I believe if you apply the truth that I'm going to teach you today, that it will help you to cope with the day-to-day stress. But I also believe it will benefit you if you are dealing with a season of stress or chronic stress that we talked about. And you may not be going through any seasonal stress right now. And I say right now because uh, there is a chance that any one of those things on that homes and race scale you could be dealing with within the next year. The death of a loved one, the loss of a job, relational issues, a physical illness, or um, maybe you're about to retire and you're going to have to make decisions about retirement. But if you apply this truth, I believe that will help you through these difficult seasons. And I'd be willing to bet even right now, some of you are asking, how long is this service? Pastor, I got a lot to do. You need to hurry this up. You know, you're looking at your cell phone, checking out the time. You're getting texts and alarms are going off. Your spouse just reminded you of something that needs to be done today. Man, you're stressing out. Let's look at this verse, Proverbs 17, 24. An intelligent person aims at wise action, but a fool starts off in many directions. The Bible tells us that it's a fool that's going in many directions. And I have to confess that I tend to be a high-stress person. Uh, I can be a fool sometimes, going in many directions, uh, overbooked, yes to everything and everyone. My problem is that I'm a yes guy. I overbook and I get overloaded, and when that happens, I can see the signs of stress in my life. The first thing that will happen is I tend to overeat. Man, I'll go dr- grab a, a bag of Doritos and I'll chow down on that. And then 15 minutes later, I'm back in the refrigerator looking for something else to eat again. That's a sign that I'm stressed. Also, I, I will react to just the littlest things. Those are warning signs. And I'm thankful for my wife and 
Pastor Kelly and my small group and my small group coaches. We added small group coaches to the small group ministry this year, and they helped me to minister to the small group leaders. That took some stress off of me. I have some men in my life that hold me accountable. They keep me in check, and uh, they're praying for me. And then also, I, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, reflecting with God daily. But we are stressed, and today's message is a red flag, a warning light on the dashboard. And we need to pay attention. After all, you asked for it, right? But whenever we are stressed, there are several things that can happen to us, and the Bible, uh, the Bible warns us about these things. I want you to jot these down with me if you're taking notes. The first one is my resistance is lower. Whenever we are stressed to the limit, we're overworked, overworked and overwhelmed, uh, when we're not resting and, uh, and we're not slowing down, we're living this fast-paced life, uh, we lose our ability to say no, especially to sin. We make poor decisions when we are tired, and we make our best decisions when we are rested. And some of the stress you are dealing with is a result of poor decisions. The stress thing, if you don't get a handle on it, will compound itself. It feeds itself. You know, one bad decision because you're not rested leads into another bad decision, which leads into another bad decision, which leads into another bad decision, and you're getting more and more stressed out because nothing's panning out like you thought it would. Let's look at this next verse, Luke 21, 34. Jesus is speaking, and he's speaking about his return when he's going to come back. And he is giving a warning. In fact, he is telling the disciples in the last days, there are going to be things that could get really stressful if you're not on guard. And Jesus says, be careful or your hearts will be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, and the anxieties of life. And that day will close on you suddenly like a trap. You know, when we are stressed, we tend to do sinful things to manage the stress. Maybe we start to drink too much to manage stress or turn to illegal drugs to manage stress. You know, we want to party and have fun with our friends all the time because we want to forget our troubles. When we are dealing with anxiety, we tend to lose focus on God. And Jesus says, watch out. Before you know it, I'm coming back. And the question is, is what will your life look like? Will it be full of anxiety? Will you be too busy to notice what's going on? You know, Pastor Don is going to talk about the end times, the last days in this sermon series, and you're not going to want to miss that. But when we are stressed next on your outline, my emotions are inconsistent. You are wondering, why am I reacting out of character for me? You're beginning to, say that, beginning to see that your, your behavior isn't normal. Everybody else around you notices that you're on edge, you're offensive, you're defensive, your emotions are taking control of your life, and that is a symptom of of a hurried pace. And Job talks about it. He says in Job 9.25, my days are swifter than a runner. They fly away without a glimpse of joy. When you're living this fast-paced, hurried life, it begins to suck the joy right out of you. You know, coming to church, going to your small group, getting into growth track, getting on the dream team, it's lost its joy. It's just another thing to do on my list. And you are saying things and you are doing things that are out of character. This is a red flag. This is a warning sign. This fast-paced life, this stressed life is sucking the joy out of you. Next, 
when I'm dealing with stress, when I'm living a stressed out life, my, product, my productivity suffers. You think that by working harder, you are getting more done, but it isn't actually working out that way. You are actually getting less done by doing more. It's just a bunch of activity with no real results. But you need to practice the principle of sharpening the axe. You know, you can keep using the axe and you can chop, chop, chop wood all day long, or you can stop every once in a while and sharpen that axe. You know, we think, I don't have time to stop and sharpen the axe. I've got a lot to do here. But what if with fewer swings, you could chop through the wood producing more with less effort? That's God's principle. God says, if you do less, you will actually get more done. This doesn't make sense to our brains, but God's the one that made us, and He knows what works. Proverbs 21.5 says, Careful planning puts you ahead in the long run. Hurry and scurry puts you further behind. Proverbs 19.2, A person in a hurry makes mistakes. You know, when, when I was an iron worker, we used to have this saying, measure twice, cut once. You know, you don't want to make mistakes. Next, when I'm living a stressed out life, my life loses meaning. Your purpose is not to do a lot of things. Your purpose is to do a few things with excellence. Look, you're not good at everything, and you don't need to be involved in everything. God has a sweet spot for you. And the further you get away from that sweet spot by doing too many things, you begin to notice that I'm not even doing my sweet spot very well. Psalm 39.6 says, We are merely moving shadows, and all our busy rushing ends in nothing. In other words, it's it's an aimless, meaningless, meaningless life. It's a life with no purpose. And that is tragic. You know, the purpose of Rock Brook Church is to get you on point. We don't do the things we do around here so that you can add stuff to your already busy schedule. No, we believe we have an alternative. We have a path to getting you on point to find that sweet spot that God has for you. And then we give you the environment to practice and develop your purpose. You know, at Rock Brook... We want everybody here to know God. That's what we want. That is what our weekend messages are all about. It's about you coming to gather together with God's people, God's family, and entering into the presence and the power of our Heavenly Father. And we do that through our message, through our worship, and through the next steps that we encourage you to take. We want you to know God. We want you to find freedom. Freedom from what? Freedom from the things that keep you bound and in chains, that make you feel like you're in a a straitjacket. Things like stress. How do we find freedom? We find freedom through relationships. We encourage one another. And we do that through, through small groups. That's why we always are encouraging you to be in a small group. And then we want you to discover your purpose. And we do that through Growth Track. I talked about that in the announcements. 301 Discovery. We believe that God has a purpose for you and we want you to discover your purpose. And then we want you to make a difference. You want to make a difference in your life. And once you find your purpose, 
you get on a dream team and you start serving others. It's not about you. You serve others. That's how you make a difference with your life, by serving others. Last week, Pastor Ryland told you how to find God's will for your life. That was the number one question that you asked. But I can tell you, you are never going to find God's will for your life if you're living a hurried, fast-paced, burned-out, overwhelmed life. life. This message and last week's message go hand in hand. Next, if I'm living a stressed-out life, my relationship with God seems di- distant. Psalm 46.10 says, Be still and know that I am God. How do you know God? You have to be still. And you can't be still if you're hurried, if you're overwhelmed, if you've got too many things going on. Ecclesiastics 4.6 says, It's better to have only a little with peace of mind than to be busy all of the time. But here's the problem. Everything we talked about, you know it. I have not told you anything that you don't already know. You ask for it because you know your resistance is lower. You are making poorer decisions. Your ability to say no to sinful desires has decreased. Your emotions are inconsistent. Your productivity is suffering. Your life has no meaning. That was your number one question. What's God's will for my life? And my relationship with God seems different, distant. These are all symptoms of stress. But why is it we know it, but we can't seem to do anything about it? And I believe that's because there's a problem with knowing something, but not doing anything about it. The truth, unapplied, is not going to work. You have to apply God's truth. You know, there is, this, there is this distance between the truth that I know and the truth that I live, which equals the pain that I experience. And we have to narrow that gap. We have to narrow the gap between the truth I know and the truth I live. And when we do that, we begin to experience less pain. There's less worry, less anxiety, less busyness, and less stress in our life. But here's the good news. God does not give you a bunch of things to do to narrow this gap. It's not more, it's less. There's actually one thing you can do to, to eliminate stress in your life. Are you ready for it? You need to keep the Sabbath day holy. This is God's plan for burnout. This is God's plan for having less stress in your life. Keep the Sabbath day holy. First, you have to keep it. You have to hold on to it. You have to grab it. You have to live by principle and not by pressure. You can't let other people knock you off of it. And next, it's a day, not a church service. You can't go, hey, pastor, I kept the Sabbath day. I went to a church service. It's not a Sabbath hour. It's a Sabbath day. And it is holy. It is precious. It is supernatural. This is you and God coming together on this day. So what will I do? You know, some say that this Sabbath day is an Old Testament principle, but let's look at Hebrews 4, 9 through 11. It's in the New Testament. It says, There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works, just as God did from His. Let us therefore 
make every effort to enter that rest. This is where we take the day and we just say, I get more when I do nothing. I I take this day and I acknowledge that my strength does not come from my intellect, it comes from God. Every time you don't take your Sabbath day, you are telling God, I've got it. And God is asking, how's that working out for you? Okay, your number two question, how do I handle stress? And God is saying, if you want to deal with stress, you need to enter into my Sabbath rest. God modeled for this. He created in six days, and he rested on the seventh day. And so I want to help you today to see what it looks like when you enter into the Sabbath rest. I'm going to give you some practical next steps that you can begin to apply today. And number one, I will rest my body. I will rest my body. You know, we have these five-hour energy drinks, monster drinks, Mountain Dew, and cups of coffee, coffee that help us to keep doing things that we're not supposed to do. That's not God's plan. God, God's plan wants you, He wants you to slow down and He wants you to rest. And I would even suggest that some of you cancel some of your plans today and go home and take a nap and get some rest. You know, have you stopped long enough to consider whether you are getting enough rest? Psalm 127.2 In vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat, for He grants sleep to those He loves. God wants to grant you some rest. So we're trying to narrow this gap between the truth you know and the truth you live. Number two, I will replenish my soul. You know, you have emotions that are not in good condition. That's why you get mad. That's why you cry so much. And that's why you react out of character. Your heart is racing. You have shortness of breath. You're about to explode. Your, re, your reaction is a warning sign. And I want to help you to shorten that gap so you experience less pain. You need to replenish your soul. And here's some ways that we can do that. First, we do it with quietness. You first need to begin your day with, in quietness with God's Word and in prayer. And then when you go to bed, you reflect on your day and you pray and you worship God. Psalm 23, 2-3. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. We don't always need to be eating the grass. We need to lie down in it so God can lead us by the quiet water so He can restore our soul. You need to develop a routine. For everybody, this will be a little different. In my house, I have a spare bedroom, and in that spare bedroom is a recliner, and and there's a reading lamp in there. And so I turn off the big light and turn that reading light on, and I open my Bible, I read God's Word, I reflect on my day that's ahead of me, and I pray about it. And then in the evening, when the lights are off, I lay there and I reflect about my day. I pray about my concerns and for my family, and I also praise and worship God before I go to sleep. Your quiet time needs to be just you and God and no one else and no distractions, whatever it takes. Maybe it takes a little music to get you started. Maybe you can go on a prayer and praise walk through your neighborhood. But find a place 
where it lets you be alone with God so you can focus on God and think through your day, think through your week, pray over your week, and let God minister to you. Dedicate this time to God. Next, we need to do it with enjoyment. You need to find out what's fun and do it. For me, it's hanging out with my family. It's doing stuff outside. I like to create and make stuff just out of anything. You know, I don't like to work with my hands if it means I've got a deadline, like the cars broke down, i got to do something. I don't like that. But if it's just for fun, I love it. I love food. I love to eat. I, love, I like to cook on the grill. And while things are cooking, I like to sit out on my deck. I like to listen to music. I like to read something. Uh, did you know that stressed, spelled backwards, is desserts? Yeah. You know, there's a big difference between eating because you're stressed versus eating because you're enjoying life. You're relaxing. You need to have some laughs. You need to, be, you need to watch a comedy or be around somebody that can make you laugh. You know, I have some Pastor Kelly stories. Several of them. You know, I'm kind of Pastor Kelly's Gilligan. If he has something going on, I'm liable to throw a wrench in it, okay? So one day, Pastor Kelly calls me up and he says, Hey, Tom, I need to talk to you about something. Will you swing by my house? And so I pull up to Pastor Kelly's house and he's out on the driveway and he's talking on the phone. I'm like, well, I don't want to listen in on this conversation. So I notice the garage door's open. So I go on into the garage door and in the middle of the garage is this beautiful coffee table, cherry red. And it is just smooth as glass. And so I reach down, how did he do that? And I touch it, and I realize it's wet. Luckily, I didn't smear my finger, and I pull my finger off, and there's my fingerprint. And I'm thinking to myself, I should run. But my fingerprint's on there. He can track me down. I'm like, okay, he's a pastor. i got to confess. So I'm like, Pastor Kelly, come here. i got to show you something. And we go over to the table, and he stands there like this. And looks up at me and goes like that. And to this day, they have that coffee table in their living room, but they have to sit something in the middle of it because my <laughs> fingerprints there. I hope we don't ever get robbed. But here's what's funny. So the other day, I get a text from Pastor Kelly. And Joel's back here, and he's cleaning up the tool area. And he's, uh, he's stained something. And, and he goes, hey, look at this. He goes, I know what you mean. I want to touch it. I mean, it looks smooth as glass. But he said, um, I know I'm getting wiser because I'm learning from others' mistakes. Man, I thought, I actually taught Pastor Kelly something. How cool is that? You've got to be around people that can make you laugh. Proverbs 17, 22, a cheerful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. Right there in the Bible, it tells us that stress can bring illness. It can dry up our bones. But rest and relaxation is medicine. It brings healing to our soul. The truth I know and the truth I live. We want to close that gap. Next, I replenish my soul with people. I know it. I know what you're thinking, but that's God's plan. Some of you are saying, no, it's people that are causing me stress. (laughs) It's because of people I can't have my Sabbath rest. But you have to get around the right people, God's people who can lift you up, that can pray with you, bring you encouragement, that can make you laugh and hold you accountable to your Sabbath rest. Where can that happen? Where can that happen? How does Rockbrook help you to get around the right people? 
Man, you guys are awesome. <laughs> Hebrews 10.25. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another all the more as you see the day approaching. The day approaching. What's it talking about there? Jesus is coming back. Let us encourage one another. Let us help encourage one another. Let's not live the hurry and scurry life. You know, we just started our small group semester, and you need to find a small group. Don't add it to your already busy schedule, though. All right? Drop some things that are taking you nowhere. Okay? And then add a small group. Add something that's going to benefit you personally in the long run. The third thing that happens when you enter into your Sabbath rest, I will refocus my spirit. What am I going to refocus my spirit on? Or who am I going to refocus my spirit? I'm going to do that on God. I just want everyone to be still right now. And I want you to look at this next verse. It's up on the screen. I'm going to read it and just read along with me. It says, a song. A song for the Sabbath day. It is good to praise the Lord and make music to your name, O Most High, to proclaim your love in the morning and your faithfulness at night. You have exalted my horn like that of a wild ox. Fine oils have been poured upon me. The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon, planted in the house of the Lord. They will flourish in the courts of our God. They will still bear fruit in old age. They will stay fresh and green. I remember Pastor Kelly teaching this principle to staff some time ago, and it has really stuck with me, and I hope this can help you. You'll want to write this down kind of in your margins. We've talked about a couple of them. But you need to reflect daily. Reflect daily. And that means morning and night, like we talked about. Reflect daily. You need to rest weekly. Enter into the Sabbath rest, like we talked about. And then you need to retreat yearly. You need to take a vacation. Even if it means not going anywhere. Maybe you stay at home. You need to unplug from Facebook and from Twitter. Unplug your phone. Just relax. Let's look at this next verse. Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30, Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. There's this truth we know and this truth we live. And Jesus wants to help us to close the gap. Jesus is the truth. The Bible says he is the truth, or he is the way, the truth, and the life. And he says, come to me. I will give you rest. I will teach you how to find rest for your souls. You need to give your life to Jesus. You know, what truth are you living by? God's truth or Jesus' truth? You need to free yourself from the bondage and the chains of busyness, overbooking, yes to everyone and everything, 
too many thing, doing too many things poorly, making bad decisions. You need to enter into the Sabbath rest. Keep the Sabbath day holy. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, help us to be still as we enter into your presence. Give us rest for our souls. Lord, we are going to sing songs and praise your name in the morning and in the evening. Father, give us power and protection like that that comes from the horn of a wild ox. Heal us from our stress. Let us flourish in the desert like a palm tree. When everyone else is around us, is burned out, may we stand tall and firm like the cedar trees of Lebanon. Nourished by your presence and your power, no matter our age, grant us endurance and longevity. Bless us so that we bear fruit all the days of our life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.